You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I am Jesper. And I'm Autumn. This is episode 84 of the Am Writing Fantasy podcast. And today's episode was actually inspired by something that you came across on the internet, Autumn. It was. This was another debate that I hear a lot. And actually, just just last week, ended up with this kind of impression from somebody. And it's like, oh, you're a writer. What do you write? Oh, you write fantasy and it's just, you know that <laughs> yeah. condescending tone and and i've been dealing with it my whole life because i've always I, since i was like three i wanted to be an artist since i found out there was such a thing as people who draw for a living that's what i wanted to do and in i don't know about the rest of the world but there's a term in the u.s that people especially in the 80s used to go like oh artsy fartsy <laughs> like it's um less it's a less of a career like somehow leonardo da vinci was a hack <laughs> i don't know rembrandt shouldn't have been born i don't know it's i've had it my whole life and it's gotten me under my skin i will admit it this is one of my pet peeves and so i'm so excited about this episode because if yeah. someone has ever said this to you and whether you know oh you're a fantasy writer and then of course my favorite comeback, I have relatives and friends who have said, well, if you want to write a really good story, I've got a great one for you. <laughs> right. <So, laughs> if anyone has ever said that to you, dear listener, this episode has the answers for you. Yeah, and I actually wrote down what the, you know, you sent me a screenshot of what the stuff <laughs> you found on these. I actually wrote it down just to remember it so I can just quote it here what it was. Uh, so it was this college professor yeah. who had said at a writing class, quote, welcome to creative writing. And by the way, you will not write fantasy, ghost stories, paranormal or science fiction in this class, as this is a creative writing class, end quote. <laughs> so I don't know what in the world this professor has smoked, but uh, in today's episode, we'll explore why some look down upon the fantasy genre and maybe we can... Talk a bit about why instead you should be proud about writing in fan in the fantasy genre. Absolutely. I cannot wait. But before we get there, it's been a week. So how have you been? And I do want to give everyone a quick warning. We are finally getting rain in Vermont. It is wonderful. And of course, it's coming in the form of thunderstorms. So any extra auditory effects are um, not intended, but just enjoy the ambiance, please. Yeah, well, at least right now I can't hear anything uh, of that sort. Just wait. But let's see. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll get a, a loud thunder all of a sudden. We'll but switch we'll to see. a horror genre or thriller or something. But anyway. Yeah. So how are it things? It sets in... a certain mood here. Yes, it does. It does. So how are things in Denmark? No, it's good. It's good. Actually, my wife is not even here. Uh, she's in Finland these days because uh, she had to, she had to go and deal with some builders who are currently renovating an apartment that Oof. that we own up there. So she she left a couple of days ago, and uh, she's gonna come back on Wednesday. But it's it's really not healthy when she's not around in this house. Because, <laughs> you know, the boys and I, we've already had pizza, ice cream, cookies, popcorn, and candy. <laughs> you should think that she's been away for a week, but it's just like three days. <laughs> what kind of example are you setting? This is horrible, but it's so funny. Yeah. It's so typical. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but it's, it's like they miss their mom, right? And then it's like, okay, what can we do to make the time feel a bit better? And they will, right. they because normally as well, when I do my grocery shopping, normally they're of course home uh, with my wife. I usually do the grocery shopping in our family. Um, but because she was uh, traveling, I had to bring them, uh, you know, the... Oh, they're not young kids as such, but they're not old enough to stay home by themselves. The oldest can, but he's not... He's not old enough to take care of his younger, so I had to bring at least a younger younger uh, mm -hmm. boy to to the grocery shop. But then they both came, 
And then when we were there, of course, they were looking at, into all the different things, and they were like, "Hey, there's a vegan pizza here." Yeah, we've never and gotten like, that. Really? <laughs> but I've never noticed that there was one in the shop, and I was like, "Really?" And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, we we want to taste this stuff." And then, okay, well, then we bought that, and then we all of a sudden we had pizza, but then we also had to have some. Yeah, desserts, and we bought ice cream, and before you know it, we come home with all kinds of unhealthy stuff. So, I think it's good that she's returning the day after tomorrow because this is not gonna sustain. It's no, it's really unhealthy. It sounded. I always wanted to do like a, a college level study that if the reason women live longer than than men is partially because what men eat before they end up getting married, that span when they're in college and on their own and they're drinking beer for breakfast and stale pizza for lunch. <laughs> that is my theory of why, you, you know, most men have a, a shorter lifespan. So you're not disproving this idea. <laughs> no, I'm not doing a very good job on behalf of all men in the world right now. <laughs> oh. I'm also teaching the kids how to do when the wife is not there. That's not good either. <laughs> Probably not. But, you know, it's going to be fantastic memories. And, you know, maybe you'll have some day when maybe they have kids. You'll have a three-generation male-only pizza party or something. Nostalgic. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's But at least, at least they are saying in the evenings, like, oh, this has been a really nice day. So at least that's good because mm. I, especially especially the older one, he, he tends to miss his mom a lot. Oh. So at least it's good that he, you know. Some of the candy keeps his mind preoccupied <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> That's, it's working like a charm then. <laughs> yeah, indeed. But how about you? Oh, it's been a good busy week. I had some... It's so funny because we're going to be time traveling so much today. I've been doing some formatting for the books that we're releasing today <laughs> and so <laughs> wow, that made no sense i know isn't it so strange but we're recording this um almost we're almost at the, we're on the cusp of july so we're almost a month ahead because summer vacations these things happen and so yes it was a good achievement week of getting a whole bunch of long prepped all those all these months we have said hey we're writing this book we're putting this together we're gonna release this we actually have them. I mean, they're on pre-order. The formats are done. We're They're out to the Typo Slayer team. We're getting feedback. It's so close. And it, it's just a weird juxtaposition that we're so close. We're almost releasing it. And in all honesty, if you're listening on this, the day it's released, the books are out. They're available. This is so exciting. So... I, it is, yeah. yeah this excited. is the wonders of uh, pre-recording a lot of episodes <laughs> because we want to have some time off during yes. vacation. But uh, but yeah, if, if you go to Amazon or any online store where you normally buy your books, then uh, you should be able to find them, the, the, both the plotting book, the workbook associated to the plotting book, and the how to do uh, get story ideas and how to build uh, story premises. So if you just search for either my name or Autumn's name on those stores, you should pretty much be able to find them quite easily. I guess the one thing that we don't know yet is some of the online stores are really weird when it comes <laughs> to the fact that you are mentioning, for example, Amazon in the back of the book or something, mm -hmm. if you write that anywhere. Then some stores are really weird about it. For example, Apple is don't like that. So... Well, because we're pre-recording here, I can't say for sure if some of the stores will end up rejecting the book files. But True. I, have, I have a principle that I do not change the content of a book just because Apple don't like it. So <laughs> if they don't <laughs> like it, it will not be on Apple. You'll have to go somewhere else to find it. But uh, for, for sure, Amazon, it'll be on Amazon for sure. Kobo, it'll be there as well. Google Books, it will be there. Uh, and then for the rest, I guess we'll have to wait and see uh, how many of them accept the book files. And but, at the uh, very at least, least those three places. Yes, at the very least, if you don't see it in a store, go to Am Writing Fantasy and look for it in the workbooks there because we will be selling it off of our website and you can get it in whatever format you need. So if it's not on iTunes because Apple Books is being a booger, just come and get it from us and we will make sure you have it for whatever e-reader you choose. A week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. 
So I actually thought it was just worth mentioning how the Am Writing Fantasy Facebook group just keeps oh getting better and better. And growing and growing. It's been, it's like every time I turn around, there's another six people knocking at the door. Yeah, but I mean, this this past week I had like in the morning, I let in eight people. Oh and then in the afternoon, it was like, what? Now there's a list of six more. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. It really but is. <laughs> There was actually at some point in the past where we were speculating to move the group away from Facebook yeah. and try something else because the engagement was just very limited at that point in time. But, oh, my God, I'm glad we didn't do that. No, it's been fantastic. And that's with, um, you know, there's a lot of advertisers currently. Of course, look, look at where we're recording this. So who knows what August will be? But there's been a lot of advertisers and things pulling from Facebook because of this politics and advertising policies. And... It doesn't matter. The group is just outstanding. Yeah, and I have to say as well that I, I really like, and because this doesn't happen in all groups, but I think in this group, people are actually very good at following the rules of not self-promoting stuff. Yes, they are. Uh, over the past week, I think I had to delete two posts where people were self-promoting, but it does not have happen very often compared to how much that actually gets posted in the group. Yeah. So I think that's very good. Yes, no, I agree. I mean, it's um, you're on there more than I am. And goodness, our moderator, Luke, a huge sh shout out to him. And you guys handle a lot of the heavy lifting, which I very much appreciate. But it is just, I mean, they're good. If something go how it comes up, people are very good at not overreacting, not going crazy they'll just you know they'll let one of us know say you know they'll um you can submit the post saying hey i think there's something wrong with this and it's been fine but in general everyone's so well behaved and so supportive and wonderful feedback and the the gamut of questions and topics is just amazing i mean it's everything from people getting advice to people posting bits of stories it's i really got it all yeah, it's it's in general it's a very helpful group with a very positive tone. So, if you're the listener have not joined us over there yet, then uh, simply search for "Am Writing Fantasy" in the group section of Facebook, and you will find us. And just apply to be let in, and we'll get to you as soon as we can. <laughs> it might take a bit, but sometimes it takes a couple of days. But we will get to you. Don't worry. Yeah, it's not usually that long. But and I want to give a big shout out. I already mentioned once that the Typo Slayer team has been helping us out with our uh, edits and the last reviews for the books and they have been getting back to us already I think we just gave it to them what three four days ago uh, people are booking it through some of these books and have great suggestions so big shout out to everyone who has joined us on the Typo Slayer team you guys are doing awesome yeah absolutely I think the ones that we got feedback for so far was the book idea book which is a very yes. short one so that's probably why they are so fast but I will bet you that it'll take a while before we get feedback on the plotting book because that's a, that's a beast. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see if anyone actually goes through the workbook doing the work, then it might take them a while too. <laughs> and on to today's topic. So we started out with that quote from yes. that crazy college professor before. Uh, he, he must be slightly insane. I know. I'm not what, sure. is, what is fantasy not, or what is creative, you know, not creative writing? This is just. It boggles my mind. How is this not creative? I think it's the most creative yeah, pursuit know. out there. Yeah, but as well, I have to say he, he's not the only one who has like a, I don't know, should we call it certain opinion about the fantasy genre? I think a you know, lot in, in, of people have a certain opinion about the fantasy genre. Yeah, because I feel like in, in writing fantasy, this is something that we are faced with. And also because of that, we have to sort of deal with that problem mm -hmm. if we can call it a problem or whatever we want to at call it at least a perception that it's just mm. it, it's pervasive in some ways that oh you're a fantasy author you're not legit and i have to admit when you look at some of the awards like uh for speculative fiction the hugo is one of the only awards that are out there so you know there's all these other wonderful awards that other writers can get but if you want to get to the top 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 of the food chain and speculative fiction it's basically the hugo you got one spot Mm, yeah, indeed. And, and it's like, usually at least, I feel like if I tell people who maybe don't know me or only know me a little, you know, if they sort of ask, so what, what do you do? If I say that I'm 
I'm an author, then they usually get very interested and they want to learn more. That's almost always the reaction I get. You know, mm-hmm. people like to hear about what you're writing and what you're doing. And if you then tell them that you write fantasy, then the, the demeanor sort of changes a bit. <laughs> and all of a sudden you feel like now I have to justify myself for something. I mean, it, it's almost like, oh, oh okay. And then, <laughs> I don't know why that is, but it just... It happens more often than you think. And I don't think I don't think there's any fantasy author out there who probably has not experienced that where people are like, Oh wow, you're a writer, that is fantastic. Oh, you write fantasy. I thought you were a real writer. And it's like, whoa. Really? So it's not real writing? <laughs> that's I've heard that saying. But yes, I just yeah. I'm shocked. I'm really shocked that it's still in all the uh, movements and progressiveness that we haven't come to the conclusion that fantasy is still real writing. And I'm hoping we can blow that out of the water today. Yeah, well, at least we will try. That's right. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there is, of course, also the the stigma around fantasy that it's something for nerds and geeks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, at least that has been so when... At least when I was growing up, you know, uh, it was a lot like that over the last 15, 20 years. It was a very much like a nerd and geek environment. Yeah, that's the, the whole fantasy stuff. I, I think it's starting slowly, though, to become more mainstream. I mean, nowadays we have uh, stuff like Game of Thrones and also the Lord of the Rings movies that took to the screen some years back, you know. Yeah. More like the general population, <laughs> if you can call it that. <laughs> they are becoming increasingly familiar with, with well, basically what the rest of us has known for ages, and that is that fantasy is awesome. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I do think it came up with almost a whole generation of kids with thanks to Harry Potter books. That it was there. It opened up reading to them in a way that, I mean, reading was dwindling and Harry Potter came out and suddenly there's a surge of reading and it's all in fantasy. And those kids have grown up to their 20s now. And they are, you know, some of them have kids and they're bringing them up with all of these stories and fantasy is doing really, really well. So I think that is exciting. So I think the perception is changing in the younger generation. I think if I told someone in their 20s that, hey, I'm a fantasy author, and I have met, you know, I met, you know, social parties, and I tend to hang out with the younger kids. I think I mentally think I'm only in my 20s. And maybe it's because I write fantasy, and they find out I'm a fantasy author, and we have the best conversations, and we get so excited. And then you talk to the parents, and they're like, oh, what are you talking about? Oh, you're an author. Oh, you write fantasy. <laughs> it's mm. just like you know you hit the brick wall and it's very um sh- a shame that that perception is still there but i do think the younger youngerish generation is going to get rid of that and it's not going to be such a strange thing they'll be excited about it yeah and maybe it was because in uh, the younger generation or the the ones who are younger now uh, at least compared to I mean young is relative but at least compared to us maybe <laughs> the, the the younger generation compared to us they as you said grew up with Harry Potter but but to us the generation we are in I mean yeah. when I grew up it was mostly like it was Dungeons and Dragons stuff yeah it was you know, it was Chris uh, yeah. Orden it was um uh, well, there was a few fantasy books. Like, well, I I read Dragonlance back then as well, but there wasn't a lot of it. No, really. No, I mean, it's very it, true. It, it it was different. Uh, and then over time, then of course, well, we get those kind of mainstream trains that just pulled us through everything, like like uh, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, and uh, well, Lord of the Rings was back there as well, yeah. of course, when when I grew up, obviously. Yes. But. Um, uh, what was it I said before? Like Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Game of Thrones is very old as well, to be honest. Uh, I think he oh. wrote it quite a long while back. But but again, I mean, a lot of this stuff, if you look at it from a sort of mainstream perspective, it didn't really catch on until maybe within the last, what should we say, five, six, seven years, maybe? No. I, ten I, years, maybe? I would agree. At the outset of ten years, I would agree that it's... 
that's where it's become culturally, especially the book part has become culturally accepted and popular where you can go up to somebody on the street and they probably heard of Game of Thrones. So, you know, you can talk something fantasy where before it was like, maybe everyone, maybe half the kids in your high school might have heard of Dragonlance and, you know, a small percentage might have read some books of Shannara or The Last Unicorn or something like that. But there were so, it was like a little club and it was much more intimate and quiet where now it is like literally you go to starbucks and you can talk to somebody about oh did you know the new lord of the rings series is coming out you know people are excited about it and you hear it as a type of conversation and i do think that is interesting yeah Yeah, i think so too because basically yeah uh, it, it would be a very small niche of people in your high school back when we grew up that would actually read the baby. It was like the nerd club. It, that was what it was, right? It really was. And the yeah. nerd would read the fantasy books. Even Lord of the Rings back then, it was like the nerd club reading that stuff. Yes. But I do think, and I think part of that perception is, um, I mean, even as a kid, I used to call it brain candy. Cause you know, I was in, you know, top of my class and all that other crap <laughs> doing well in grades. <laughs> And uh, yeah, they had high hopes for me. And then I became a fantasy author. They're so disappointed. But I would call it brain candy. You know, this was, um, you know, something I read to relax my brain. But I think that's part of the misperception is that there's nothing important and there's nothing true or gritty or real in fantasy. And I'm hoping maybe with Games of Thrones, with some of these bigger genres, I mean, they're looking at it as we're going to, I'm going to bring up some stuff today that looking at it from a money-making aspect, if people do not take Mm. this seriously for that reason alone, they're fools. But I think there's a lot more to fantasy. I mean, it taught me a lot of perceptions and things about life and other people that I hadn't yet met and how to hold myself and be open-minded because of the fantasy books I read, because I was open up to whole different worlds and different cultures and different ways of meeting people and stuff that you can't pack into this world. You can't talk about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict without bringing up some kind of grudges and history lessons. But you take that and you put it in a fantasy world and you can unpack it and you can question things and you come out of it changed in a way you can't do when we're stuck and entrenched in our own cultural values. And I don't think there's any other genre really that can do that as well as fantasy. And for me, I feel bad now that I spent so much time jokingly calling it brain candy because, oh my goodness, you can teach people, you can open up their minds to so much stuff through fantasy that I don't think other cultures and or genres can really enable you to do. Yeah, I don't know if this is true, but mm-hmm. I also feel like now that if we sort of go with the premise here that, that fantasy has become a bit more mainstream nowadays... I, I feel like those who still look down upon the fantasy genre isn't as much anymore your average reader. I think instead nowadays it's very often those who are closely associated with writing programs and stuff like that. Mm. Do, do you think I'm right in that, Autumn? I think in many ways you're right. Like the incident I had just last week was more like, oh, well, you know, my friend who's in publishing um, – had this advice and I was just like wow you know what I've been in publishing since 2012 so good luck to your friend who told you this statement that is completely not true so I just but he didn't take me seriously and it was either my gender or it was because I was a fantasy author I'm not sure but I didn't unpack it because I I really didn't um that was my uh Enneagram personality type of I really don't give a crap I'm busy so (laughs) I don't need his approval but I do think that there are definitely some writers but there are also so many conferences and there are a lot of things set up now targeting fantasy authors but again is it because that they truly support the genre or because they see this group that grew up on fantasy that are now in their 20s and their 30s and they're making money and they love fantasy and they want to write it. So therefore they're going to go ahead and target an audience that is there and willing to pay money to do it. I don't know. Um, it's hard. No, you would have to, I, I think it's different in every case. Yeah. But I also think that, you know, those kind of uh, closely, uh, those people closely associated with, with writing program, it could be the professor from before. Right. <laughs> yes. But, but I, I think, a part of it is basically that they compare fantasy genre fiction with literary fiction. 
which they sort of feel like that's proper writing, right. literary, right? But but I I don't I I don't understand why we the whole premise of trying to prove that fantasy have some sort of literary value, why we even have to accept that entire premise there. You know, because when somebody frowns upon it and we go into this sort of defense situation, now I need to defend why I'm writing fantasy and I have to explain it. I have to convince them. You know, it, it's sort of a bit like we're insisting on grading fantasy on that same scale. right? And I don't know, my question is more like, why do we even have to grade it at all? Why do we even have to try to defend the fact that we write fantasy? Why can't we just write fantasy because we write fantasy? Exactly. I I do agree. I don't know why they have... um, It's a pedestal. You know, there's certain types and certainly certain genres that are considered the true writing. You know, this is uh, the Jane Austen of writing and uh, the Charles Dickens of writing. But I think in the second part of the quote, you know, that uh, that was from that post I had found. It was just like, you know, these were people who were writing, like Charles Dickens was paid per word. These were not mm-hmm. high-end um, writers at the time. They just have come to us through the classics that now we consider it. But even Shakespeare was, you know, people, some people hated him. They're throwing tomatoes at him. He was not revered in his time. And now, you know, even Tolkien, I think, uh, got a lot of flack when he first came out. But now it's just like, oh, my goodness, Tolkien. You know, I've met somebody who met him and you're like, oh, you touched Tolkien. Oh, my God. (laughs) It gives you chills. You're like, oh, my God, that's so cool. You were alive when he was alive and that would have been so awesome. So it's a total fangirl. That is why, again, I agree with you. We don't have to compare ourselves to these other genres. These are our own pillars, and this is an amazing genre, and we create amazing works that they don't know. They're not the same as other things, as, as you know, Shakespeare's plays, which I happen to love, and he has some very fantasy-ish plays. I did get to see A Midsummer's Night's Dream, which is definitely on the fantasy scale, as well as The Tempest. Mm. So, Mm. yes, those are fantastic plays, and this is fantastic writing. But it doesn't have to be, you know, no one else has to write like that anymore. It's fine. You can write, you can write Piers Anthony. It's good. (laughs) Yeah. True. And I actually, I have I have a question for you, and I, I don't even know what my answer is to oh, it. So oh, so I, you're going to throw it on me. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just going to throw it at you and see okay. what you say, because I don't know the answer. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Okay. But do you think that fantasy is a genre that you either love it or you hate it? Yes. <laughs> okay i think you need to elaborate no, more on that no. that was a yes or no no i would say yes and the first thing that popped to mind is my mom who has read my first my debut novel and she said it wasn't bad for fantasy so you know it wasn't bad for fantasy. <laughs> she loves me anyway but and i definitely i mean even in my own family i have struggled with a perception that i am doing well and this is what i'm doing because i like it I like I've mentioned I've had cousins and aunts who have said, "Oh, well, if you want a real story, if you want to write a real story, I've got the best idea." And you know, I would be a little bit catty, going, "Oh, you should write it. Good luck." <laughs> and, yeah. You know, there's a lot more to writing than just saying I have a good idea. Because believe me, if everyone who had a good idea was writing, wow. I mean, there are a lot of books, but there would be a lot more books. But I do think that fantasy is definitely there's very little gray. It's um, you either love it and you tend to love it passionately, even if it's just a subsection, like you love vampires or you love zombies or you love just something about it. It mm-hmm. really gets in, it. It's like in your blood. And if it's not there, it's just kind of like ho-hum lackluster. I mean, I I like sci-fi, but I don't love sci-fi. If there's no fantasy element, there's no magic Um yeah, you know, Star Wars is good, but I like it because it's a force. You know, there's something else there. I cowboy and it, you know, cow, you know, there's a few genres that are okay, but I think when it comes to books, it's sort of like art. You either get it or you don't get it. And right. I do think there's a large perception who just don't get fantasy. 
but there's a large group that is now just ground swelling that does get fantasy and does love it and they want something magical in this world so they're looking for this and it's giving them something else because it's either this or post-apocalyptic dystopian tales <laughs> which do you want to read <laughs> Yeah, I, I quite like science fiction as well. I, I prefer fantasy over science fiction, but I do quite like science fiction because I also think that, like fantasy, science fiction offers a lot of escapism. Yes. You know, it, it's just those kind of, when, when you're in a different world, in a completely different setting, that, that's the sort of things that I that I really like. Mm-hmm. And science fiction can do that as well. Yes. Um, but most of the times, science fictions don't have dragons so that's a downer i know it's a total shame and i've even written a few short science fiction-y tales but i just i don't know i come back to the magic and the characters and the worlds and i just there's something there that i adore though it is funny because you how you mentioned escapism i mean some of the most poignant readers who have gotten back to me and the stories i remember from readers are the ones who said you know i've been recovering from this or i've been in the hospital and i found your book and I just, there was one woman who's read everything except like one of the most recent stories and she was apologizing for like not giving a review, but she had just gotten diagnosed with breast cancer. I mean, I just sent her a free book. I'm just oh like, God. here you go. Really? It's not <laughs> just, she's like, I'm going through chemo. It's been really rough. I mean, these are the stories that just stay with me. And it is people who are literally stuck in bad situations. Their body's mm. failing them. They're in pain and they want to book they want to go to a different world and that's one reason not all fantasy is happy um you know happy escapism there's definitely ones where i mean i look at game of thrones and so many people died i feel like i could read it i could finish reading it now because i know which characters i could follow but i can't finish reading it yet yet because george r R. martin isn't done but as soon as he finishes i'll consider it again (laughs) i'll consider finishing yeah you can read it in five years time or something yeah something like that yeah (laughs) Uh, when i'm when i have more time on my hands (laughs) but Uh, i meant when he was done reading it writing it it, in five years from now (laughs) it might be but yeah i mean i think that's why i'm drawn to noble right which is a new it's a new term for the fantasy where the heroes you know somehow get through despite all the odds and and definitely that's why I like it is because it is an escapism where good things happen rather than grimdark where just bad shit happens after <laughs> after bad crap. And so it's a tough one yeah. to get through. I read a couple grimdarks and they were fantastic writing, but I know I was walking with the character through the swamp and I'm just like, if this was me in my life, I would just lay here and die because I could not go on. <laughs> it was too tough. <laughs> so that's yeah. not my type of fantasy. But now, now that you said out all of that, I had a bit of time to think about okay. my answers. Well, because Some of yours. It, well, actually, I, I I started thinking that maybe it is every genre is either you hate it or you love it. Mm. Because you know, growing up, my my mother always told me when I was a child that you need to try something at least once before you turn it down, because otherwise you don't understand what you're turning down. Very true. And and then I was thinking. Could I apply the same thing to reading? Meaning, for example, I have a notion thinking that I don't like romance books. Mm -hmm. I don't want to read romance. But I've actually never read a romance novel. So you don't know. So I guess the premise could then be, well, then I don't know if I don't like it. And I should try to at least read one novel to check it out. And I could then say the same thing to those who say that they don't like fantasy, then I could say, well, at least read one novel Mm -hmm. before you judge it. But they have to read a good one. (laughs) That's just it. Yeah. But that, yeah, because then I'm thinking, okay, if I'm supposed to read one to judge whether I like this genre or not, how do I know that the one that I read is actually genre representative enough? Yeah. And how do I know if it's good? Yeah. I mean, if you go by the bestseller list, I read The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson, mm-hmm. which you must say is a huge, huge bestseller. Oh, yeah. And Brandon Sanderson is probably one of the biggest uh, fantasy authors, uh, one of them at least, that we have right now. Mm-hmm. But I did not like Way of Kings. Wow. I, it really was not my taste. Uh, and I, I love reading fantasy. Yeah. So if I gave that to somebody else, somebody else will love, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people <laughs> love those books. So that is perfectly fair. My point is more to say, how can you know that if I, for example, picked up a romance book right now and said, okay, I'll give it a try. 
how can I know that the one that I picked up is just because I didn't quite like that particular one, but maybe I would have liked another one. Right. But then again, when I say all of that, I also feel like, but I don't really, really feel like even trying, (laughs) you know? That's true. So that's why I'm thinking, is it just every genre so that either you love it or you hate it, but you don't really feel like trying any other ones, even though you don't really know for sure whether you like it or not. Do do you follow my logic? I do. And I I totally get it because I mean, I, yeah, like I said, there's a lot of genres that are kind of, I've, maybe I've read them, but you know, they didn't stick. I mean, I read some Nancy Drew, my best friend growing up, just love Nancy Drew. So I tried a couple and yeah, mystery is just not for me. I mean, I really like Agatha Christie. And as I've joked, I I want to, I want an Agatha Christie book uh, hardback so I can use it as a knife holder in my kitchen. But <laughs> I just think that would be so much fun. But um, I, even Stephen King, I like some of his books, but his favorite ones are his fantasy ones. His horror ones don't do much for me. And I think that's mm. fair. And there's a lot of fantasy. I, I love Lord of the Rings, but I skimmed through the battle scenes because they just went on forever. They were not fast enough for me. Right. So everyone, right. as you, the more you read them, the more discernment you're going to have. Like, I think if I went back and read Dra- Dragonlance, uh, I think I would have a totally different perception now as an adult reading it than when I was, yeah. you know, 14, I read the uh, I read the first book in the Dragonlance series, uh, what is it, like four or five months ago with my oh, yeah? sons because I wanted to read it to them. So I actually read it out loud to them. Uh, and I was a bit concerned about what it would feel like to read it as an yeah. adult because I have so fond memories of that series uh, because I read it when I was like 12 maybe. Yeah. So I was just, I was really concerned that now I'm going to ruin it for myself and all my fond memories are going to get destroyed that it's not that good anyway. Yeah. But it was actually okay. Good. Um, but it is not written quite like you write novels today. No, it isn't. Uh, so, but it, it was also written in, in a different time. It was. I look, so, yeah, I look at that, like the Shannara books, when they turned that into a series, I was ripping my hair out because of... They didn't update some of the tropes, and this is just not what people put up with anymore. So, right. yeah, I, I much prefer modern fantasy because it is just varied and has depth, and the character building is so much more, and the plotting is so much more. I, yeah. I don't want to go backwards, but I agree. Yeah, it's it's changed. So I'm glad to know that, though, it, it held up, because I did recently, my first fantasy book was... Uh, on Pern and uh, McCaffrey, and I recently reread the first Dragonflight, and right. I I cannot finish a review on Goodreads because I just I have such fond memories of the book and the stories, and I read the book, and I'm like I'm glad I don't have a daughter because I would not let her read this because if a man treated her the way that is okay in this book. I would be like, you're going to jail. <laughs> so oh, you, okay. it was so sexist. It was horrible. Okay. I mean, but it was written in what the seventies. So I understand it from that, but looking back, I'm like, wow, this shaped my formative years. Seriously. That's horrible. Right. I prefer yeah. stick to modern day fantasy. It's much better, much, much better. <laughs> yeah. I guess we could say that But <laughs> at the same time. I also feel like, I feel like that there is a logic to this fact that, we just love some stuff and we hate other stuff and we're not really that willing to cross that bridge and try something else. But I, I can see the logic in that argument, but at the same time, it saddens me slightly mm-hmm. because it's like, so none of us, and, and I'm looking at myself here because I'm I'm not taking my own medicine, <laughs> that you know, none of us is willing to try some other stuff out. You know, we just keep reading the same. But this is also why we keep talking about, and there's going to be a lot about this, by the way, in the self-publishing course yeah. once we release that later this year. But this is also why when you're creating your covers and all that stuff, that you go with the stuff that people expect. Yes. You don't try to be fancy. You don't try to show them something new that they've never seen before on the cover or whatever. You just give them what they want because that's what they want to buy. But and I understand all of that. I understand the marking mechanisms of it. I understand why we have to do it. But at some level in my creative heart somewhere, <laughs> it it hurts me a bit as well. Yes. Because it, it's like, it's a shame. It is a shame. But I do think with the TV shows and things like that that are out there, more people are going to be introduced to fantasy, even if it's through a show. And they're going to maybe go on to find authors and try it out. So they're going to be exposed to it where before... 
before we got the CGI effects and some of the amazing things they can do with film these days that, you know, they were never even exposed to it. I remember, I, I don't know what it was like in Denmark, but for Dragonlance in the United States, if you were in the Bible Belt, which is where I grew up, it was satanic. I mean, I had to hide these books from my parents. Um, <laughs> it was, it, I only got them from a friend of a friend. Uh, here, they were just in the library. Oh, you're so lucky. No, if if I hadn't had a friend who moved in from out of town who gave them to us, I would not have been able to touch them. They are, they, I thought my fingers were going to ignite. They were very bad. And then you read them and you're like... Seriously, you think this is bad? You should have you ever read Lolita? I mean, this is bad. <laughs> so, this, uh, you know, this it was shocking, but yeah, this is a horrible perception. So, back then, you know, it was a very strict mindset, and nowadays, you know, my parents have heard of Game of Thrones at least, so they're much more exposed to it, and not just because of me as their daughter. So, I think that there's at least a more. Yeah. There's more gateways. It's a little, there's gateway drugs of Game of Thrones. And- no, but but uh, but uh, the, yeah, that is actually true. And it, it, what you just said reminded me as well that when Game of Thrones were sort of at its highest, uh, when when the whole series was going, mm-hmm. um, I was in the office uh, at the day job one day, uh, and I share office with a guy who's probably like. 10, 15 old, years older than me. Uh-huh. Um, and he was like, so what are you watching these days? Uh, usually, actually, we we like to share what we're watching. Uh-huh. Uh, so I said, well, we're watching Game of Thrones. And he said, is that stuff with the dragons and stuff, isn't it? <laughs> and I said, yes. And I told him, it, it's the best. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, you should try it. Uh, and then he said, well, I don't I don't like all the dragon stuff. I mean, he, he's older, right? He's <laughs> yeah, a bit yeah. different in, in that point of view. And I said, well, no, no, but there's so much more. There's so much depth in this stuff. There's a lot of politics as well. There's wars going on. You, you Just try it out. Try and watch it. And then I think a couple of weeks later when I came back to the office and he was like, hey, I actually tried out that Game of Thrones series. And he said, my wife doesn't want to watch it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. And that's, yeah, that's true. Perfect. Yeah, it is perfect. So we converted and one. We converted one. And that's and actually that's what I want to get to too, because so, you know, maybe people don't like it and they don't want to try it. And so there's no way of getting rid of that attitude. And you can let it roll off your back and just be the better person. Or you can come back with some stats. And I like stats. So oh. I've got a question for you. So in the top fifty movies, and we're talking about grossing movies, so the top fifty grossing movies of all time, as of even counting since COVID. So this is shutting down in May when COVID hit and they stopped counting the stuff. How many do you think of the top 50 are fantasy related? And I will give you a caveat. Do you count Jurassic Park as fantasy or as not fantasy? Not. Okay. I wasn't sure. I mean, the whole, I mean, it's there and it's not there. I mean, it's dragons, dinosaurs. It's very close, but okay. So that changes oh, okay. it slightly. So how many books? How many are the top 50? Oh, you can make me look really stupid here. I no, can no, okay. completely <laughs> off. Hey, you asked me a yes, no question that you had, you had no answer for. So this has come back. Well, uh, well, at least my question was sort of an opinion question. All this right. is like hard fact questions. Okay, okay. Well, go for high or low then. If you want to be easy. Okay, so in the top 50 movies of all time, you mean, Um, in in the cinemas? Up until May 19th or something that shut down the cinemas in the United States. That's when they really stopped counting. And this is straight off Wikipedia. So this is like, you know, pretty current. Okay, but I can only go with my gut feeling. And I can be completely off here (laughs) because actually I have no idea. All right. But my gut feeling is that it's probably not as many as one might think. So I will say 10 or less. You are completely wrong. (laughs) It's absolutely (laughs) the opposite. Out of the top 50, six movies are not fantasy. There's Titanic, uh, like Furious 7, uh, a few other, like I mentioned, the Jurassic Park is in there, but almost everything else, Avengers Endgame, Avatar, Star Wars. Okay, I'm counting Star Wars just because of sci-fi fantasy. That's science fiction. Yeah, yeah okay. but we're counting that. But I mean, if you go by that, and then there's a lot of the Disney ones. I see where Disney puts out movies. But I mean, Avengers Endgame was 
billion? Million? 2.7 million. But are, are we a bit lenient with how we classify fantasy right now? Or? I'm being lenient in the sci-fi fantasy. But just to give people, if I went through, again, that's when you get into the Disney. Are you going to count Disney as fantasy? Like well, It depends Frozen? on what, what, what kind of Disney movies uh, are, Frozen? are we talking I mean, right. I think Frozen is total. She's yeah, got Frozen is yeah, yeah. I would say that's fantasy. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'd have to go through if you wanted to count out some of the other ones, but I counted most of them like that you would consider kids ones. Uh, Incredibles. Just give me like three, four examples there. Okay, Incredibles. Um, right. Which is definitely. I mean, a lot of these are based on superhero. Almost every superhero one: Captain America, Lord of the Rings, Spider Man, Avengers, Black Panther. Okay, we skipped Jurassic Park, so we have to skip that one. But that's really... I, well, there's a Lion King, too. I don't know where that one would fit. Talking lions. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's not really fantasy, as I, at least not as the way I think of fantasy. Yes. But uh, but it's still... If someone wants to argue, I mean, it's still a way over 50%. But even if it's half of them. Yeah, I was going to say, it's yeah, way even over Even if 50%. we say it's... Yeah, indeed. I mean, even if we say it's just 30 out of 50, that's still a lot. It's a lot. Okay. And it's a I, I did lot not think more. it was that much. Yeah, it's a lot more than I really... I was expecting a list of movies that were, you know, not even close, that you couldn't at least say had a shade of fantasy. These all do. A lot of them do. So that was really surprising to me. And so that's one of the first ones. And then I also looked up the top 20 books of all time best-selling books of all time. And I looked at three different lists from um, Wikipedia, Book Cave, uh, uh, other web, you know, one that likes to keep things. And they're all very similar. And out of the top 20, I won't put you on the spot again, but out of the top 20 (laughs) books, only nine of them. So uh, nine of them are not fantasy. So again, over 50%. Our fantasy. So we have almost every Harry Potter. Harry Potter just hit the top. Right. But is that, that's the top spots all over. Act- yeah. Surprisingly not, Don Quixote is the number one best-selling book of all time. Of course, they took out, right. they they say the Bible is actually the top one, and we won't say if that's fantasy or not, so we'll skip that. But, <laughs> and then there's actually a Chinese dictionary, which I don't think that's fair to put in there, but that Lord of the Rings is number Chinese four. Dictionary. Little Prince is number five. It's one of the best-selling books of all time. And then we get into Harry Potter. There's one Agatha Christie, which is mystery. Uh, the rest of them, you know, Da Vinci Code is also up there, but again, not not quite fantasy, but at least goes into the mystery side no. of it. Yeah. But yeah, all the Harry Potters, Lord of the Rings, The Lion, the Witch, the Wardrobe, The Hobbit, those are all in the top 20 best-selling books of all time. So again... Amazing. Amazing. Look, this is over 50%. So everything else is a, you know, a dash of this and a dose of that, but solid 50% on true hardcore fantasy. So that's, again, amazing. And then I had to look up one, we'll close out with two more stats. So I wanted to look up a JK Rowling's just to Mm -hmm. see what was said about her and what her net worth. So they consider her net worth right now at a billion dollars. She denies that she has that much. But what I thought was really interesting was this sentence, and that is J.K. Rowling is one of the wealthiest private citizens in the United Kingdom and the first author in the world to achieve a net worth of $1 billion. That is not by genre. That is the first author in the world, in any genre, to achieve Mm -hmm. $1 billion was a fantasy author and a woman. So I thought that was fantastic. And I mean, alone, they said the last two Harry Potter, last two Harry Potter books, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince and Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows sold nine and 11 million copies within 24 hours of their release. Release! (laughs) Nine and 11 million copies. So yes, when someone says, oh, you write fantasy, go, yeah, (laughs) are you kidding (laughs) <laughs> but I also want to touch on because we've mentioned Game of Thrones. So George R. R. Martin, I looked him up very quickly too. And so he is obviously made a bundle. And of course everyone loves that he he's still living, they can say, a very frugal lifestyle. So he earns because from his books, from his writing, he has an estimated net worth of sixty-five million dollars and earns about oh, wow. fifteen million dollars per year. 
He's not the number one highest paid author, though. James Patterson is considered that. He is at $95 million. But he is really, really up there. So, yeah, you know, could you handle making $15 million a year because you're a fantasy author? So- no, I can do one. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I could take a million a year, too. So I think that'd be fine. But... <laughs> Once you, to me, it's like once you look at the stats, when you look at the best performing movies, I didn't even get into the best performing TV shows. I got sidetracked. But when you look at what is being made, what is making money, why they're making money, because people are going out there and watching it. So, yeah, the next time someone asks me, like, oh, you're a fantasy author, be like, oh, hell yeah. This is where it is, people. This is a fantastic genre. And you don't need an excuse. You should be proud of it. This is a one that is popular, makes money, people are craving. Well, of course, why wouldn't I write in it? I don't need a, I don't need a better reason than that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for me, the main takeaway out of all of this is really that we should just leave other people to their opinions. Yeah. You know, we should just stop feeling like we have to justify why we write what we love at all. That's it, very true. We're not hurting anyone. If they don't like it, go and read something else. I mean, I really feel like we could defend it. We could say, well, do you know how much money uh, J.K. Rowling earns? Do you know how great this <laughs> genre is? Uh, and, and yes, it, it. I think those are all good and value arguments, valuable arguments, and it's good to be aware of those stats that, that you mentioned there. I think that it, I think it's very interesting, if nothing else. But I almost as well want to say, maybe we should just stop defending it, and just mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's what I write. Because I love it. That's it. I think that would be a very good place to be in. But until then, I do not mind telling people I like it because it makes money too. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So next Monday, we are going to revisit the topic of perma-free books because Autumn took her book free off perma-free. So we're going to analyze how that went. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on Patreon.com slash AmWritingFantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.